It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Facebook ought to be seriously regulated. It is a news source for a vast part of our country today. If it continues the way it continues, we're gonna have January 6th multiple, multiple times. It allows lies to be spread unchecked. Just like the big lie was spread around the world in large part because of social media. And none of it is true. We should not allow those things in our society. All right, so that's CNN announcing to the world that Facebook uh, should be controlled because uh, because uh, they're spreading hate and misinformation and they're harming children with bullying and on and on it goes. And so some of us, we listened to that. There was a testimony yesterday in the Senate. We'll ask Senator Johnson about that when he joins us in just a little bit. Uh, we say, well, part of that we could understand. In fact, there was a whistleblower, I used my hands in quotes here, named Frances Hassan, who testified before Congress. And I'll give you just a taste of what she had to say. Let's listen. Facebook's internal research is aware that there are a variety of problems facing children on Instagram. They know that severe harm is happening to children. Kids, kids who are bullied on Instagram, the bullying follows them home. It follows them into their bedrooms. Facebook's own research is aware that children express feelings of loneliness and struggling with these things. I don't understand how Facebook can know all these things and not escalate it to someone like Congress for help and support in navigating these problems. Apparently, all right, so that's Frances Hassana. She's a, supposedly a whistleblower out of Facebook, and she's saying that the children are being harmed and Facebook needs to be regulated. So sounds like, okay, well, maybe we certainly don't want children to be bullied and destroyed and, uh, on Facebook. But what's actually happening here? Well, many of us think that this is just uh, a theater for us because Facebook has been asking for a long time to be regulated. They've made that public. They say they want to be regulated because they want cover for what they're doing. Uh, and so Congress wants to regulate them, too, because the Democrats and the left in Congress are pretty happy with the way things go down on Facebook, uh, you know, censoring conservatives. And now a lot of conservative people and organizations are still on Facebook using it effectively, and it must be stopped. That's what I think is happening. So they're going to do it through the guise of, the children. We're worried about the children. And so now Congress must get in and regulate Facebook. But on the way on the way to regulating Facebook, we'll be regulated right out of Facebook. I think that's actually what's happening. So just stay tuned. You're going to be hearing more about that. Uh, I want to just say we are we are live at Purcell Farms this morning, and we have and this is so early in the morning, and we have a pretty sizable studio audience. So why don't you guys say hello to everybody? <laughs> Oh, so much fun. Uh, you know what? Let's do, uh, what I'd like for you to do is just maybe one at a time, but very quickly, and maybe not everybody, just shout out where you're from. Where are you from? Texas. Texas. North 
North Carolina. Houston. Houston. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Ohio. Ohio. Mississippi. Mississippi. Kansas. 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 Any other states? Any? All right. So what did you, did you say? What? Delaware, Ohio. All right. So anyway, so uh, around the country, and they've come for this retreat. It's just been beautiful, and we've just had a wonderful time. I hope that many of you listening can come join us maybe next year when we do this again. All right. So relating to people like us who care about our kids and who've been several of you have talked to me about the school board battles that you've been involved in and how that's the first time for you. Well, uh, you may or may not know because we've been we've been retreating here. Uh, that Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, issued a statement just a few days ago. Threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values. Those who dedicate their time and energy to ensuring that our children receive a proper education in a safe environment deserve to be able to do their work without fear for their safety. And then he directed FBI to start investigating parents who are threatening school board members and going after teachers teaching critical race theory. So there was quite a discussion about that yesterday in the Senate, and I want you to hear an exchange that happened between Josh Hawley and uh, Lisa Monaco, who was there representing the, um, the Justice Department. Let's listen. Are you aware of any time in American history when an attorney general has directed the FBI to begin to intervene in school board meetings, local school board meetings? I'm not aware, and I'm not aware that that, and that is not going on. Let me be very, Really, very this clear. isn't about local school board meetings? That's not the subject of the memorandum? I thought that was in the memorandum. The memorandum is quite clear. It's one page, um, and it asks um, the uh, U.S. attorney community and the FBI special agents in charge to convene state and local law enforcement partners um, to ensure that there's an open line of communication to address threats, to address violence, um, and that's the appropriate role of the Department of Justice to make sure that we are addressing uh, criminal conduct and violence. At, at local school board meetings, let me just ask you this. Is parents waiting sometimes for hours to speak at a local school board meeting to express concerns about critical race theory or the masking of their students, particularly young children, is that in and of itself, is, is that harassment and intimidation? Is waiting to express one's view at a school board meeting harassment and intimidation? As the Attorney General's memorandum made quite clear, spirited debate is welcome, is a hallmark of this country. Um, it's something we all should engage in. And no, I don't think so, Ms. Monica. With all due respect, it didn't make it quite clear. It doesn't define those terms, nor does it define harassment or intimidation. You're using the FBI to intervene in school board meetings. That's extraordinary. Senator, I have to respectfully disagree. That is not what... Point me to an instance. The, the Attorney General's memorandum um, made quite clear that um, violence is not appropriate. Spirited public debate on a whole range of issues is absolutely what this country is all about. Um, then why is it being investigated if, by the FBI? It is not. When and if um, any... Um, uh, situation turns to violence, then that is the appropriate role of law enforcement to address it. All right, so that was a, an exchange between Josh Hawley and Lisa Monaco representing the Justice Department, of course, denying, oh, no, no, we're just, um, we're just sending in the FBI over, you know, threats and serious stuff, violence, and 
And then Josh says, but wait a second, that's not what the memorandum says. It says intimidation. You didn't define that. What are you talking about? And, oh, no, no, we wouldn't do that. So it's the same as usual. They, they are doing these horrific things, and then they're in your face saying, oh, no, we're not doing those horrific things, while the horrific things are happening behind them on the screen. And so it's, it's more of the kabuki theater that we've been having. But Josh Hawley gave her, he, gave, he put her on the spot. But then what kind of power does the Senate have? What kind of power do they have right now? I mean, all we have is the power of truth, of just speaking the truth. And I, you know, I believe that's important, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Because people, you know, parents are getting really upset about this. If they can't connect the dots on this and on the COVID restrictions and on what's happening in, uh, with our military, if they can't, then they really are hopeless. But I'm hoping that people who have not been clued in are beginning to wake up and see what's happening. And that's really our, that's our great hope. Um, um, so Lisa Monaco had more to say, but I don't think I even want to play that. I want to, you know, over the weekend, there was a, uh, march, the women's march in DC and a lot of young people went to that march who they call themselves the, the, the pro-life generation. And so, um, the women's marchers did what the women's marchers do, which is, well, what is that? Remember what they did? They started that. Remember on, in, Bruce and I were in DC on inauguration day, uh, for President Trump in 2016, and we remember, let's see, all the vulgar things that happened, the things they wore on their head, uh, the the signage, how they had their children with the most vulgar signs, and uh, what they said on the stage and did. It was, I think, it was shocking for the country. Don't you guys? I don't. I don't think we'd ever seen anything quite like that. We've seen a lot of stuff, but and on the stage for hours, just screaming obscenities and. You know, that's supposed to be American women, women. Did you, you know, that, that's, they speak for us, right? Not, not hardly. I mean, not hardly. So these kids, uh, mostly girls but not all, uh, went out to counter the marchers. And here's kind of a montage of, uh, of what they faced. Let's listen. Six weeks old is not a baby. Shut the f*** up. Oh, okay, where's the Don't punch on the f*** Do that again and I'll beat you. Today, in 24 cities across the country, Students Life is countering the Women's March. We are here in D.C. right now, and we're actually moments away from encountering the protesters. We're here to remind everyone that pro-life is pro-woman, so let's see what happens next. I'm here in Austin, Texas. And we are ready to counter the pro-abortion women's march. We are literally being shamed for being pro-life. We're being shamed for wanting babies to live. We came out here today to be a voice for pro-life women and free-born women. And from the very beginning, we were getting shut down. And they've made it very clear that this women's march isn't actually for women. Because they've thrown water at us. They've yelled at us. They made it very clear that their only agenda is abortion. Thank you so much to all who are rallying across the country today. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Um, continue to fight for life um, and to let people know um, that we're not going to stop fighting until Roe versus Wade is reversed. We are still out here. We've been out here all day. We tried to participate in the Women's March, but we were told that we couldn't. Clearly proving our point that this is not Women's March, that 
this was a pro-abortion march. So when the time came, we waited out to the end, and we made sure to make the pro-life message known, and the police were there with us, protecting us from the aggressive pro-abortioners that participated in the march. They were flipping us off, they were getting very aggressive, they were angry, they were mad, but we didn't care because we have the pro-life message to spread, and we did that successfully today. Uh, so that was amazing. That was, uh, this is Students for Life uh, sponsored. Uh, Kristen Hawkins is the founder of that, and I know Kristen really well. She, I remember when she was just a student, now she's a mom with several kids, uh, but she had this passion for starting this movement of students across the country, and it's grown and gone to college campuses, and these kids have so much grit. And as I listened to that, you know, the, pro- the, uh, the women's marchers came right at them screaming obscenities and shouting and pushing their signs, you know, just what you see. And these are young college girls, uh, and they just stood their ground. They, these are our kids. These are our kids. This is our future, and they are fighting. And so that is a, such an encouragement to me. Uh, they, they, were not, they were undaunted by what they saw. They didn't, like, run home to mommy. They just said, we are the pro-life generation. We're not going to stop. And Roe versus, Wade is, Roe versus Wade has got to go. And they made such great arguments, too, that, you know, this is not about women. This is a, all you care about is abortion. You do not care about women. And so they made their case, and I, I thought it was powerful. Wish I could have been there. I wish we could have been there. Don't you wish we could have been there with them? So... Um, uh, that was a Students for Life, the march over the weekend, and um, uh, so a lot of things have been happening in D.C., and um, what I'd like to do, we're going to take a break in just a second, uh, but Senator Ron Johnson has been all over the place, I mean, working day and night uh, on all kinds of controversial subjects, whether it's January 6th, uh, the, the prisoners incarcerated, he's been a champion on that. He's now been a champion on the COVID restrictions, on the misinformation, the real misinformation. Uh, and I'm going to play a little bit of, for you of uh, some of his testimony before con- uh, before the Senate uh, uh, last week. Uh, he is just uh, swinging away. And he has become, um, I guess, a dear friend of the show and of, of me. I just, I'm just i such an admirer. I'm so grateful to him. And so he's agreed to join us this morning. I saw him late on television last night, late with Laura Ingram. So... He got up early for us this morning, and he's going to join us, and uh, we'll talk to him about what he's been doing and what he's been seeing when we return. This is Sandy Rios in the morning, and our audience is going to clap and take us out to the break. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. (laughs) When an unplanned pregnancy happens to a mom in crisis, preborn clinics are there. I was extremely scared. The father did not want the child and he had made me choose him or the baby. This mother chose life after meeting with preborn counselors and seeing her baby on ultrasound. I just felt so blessed in the hand of God on me so strong. And I knew then on I was going to serve God and I was going to keep this child and I was going to love him just like God loved me so unconditionally. Preborn centers met this mom in her darkest hour, helping her to choose not only life for her baby, but life in Jesus. He was our little miracle child. God's timing was impeccable. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in America, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, visit preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. 
This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for President Joe Biden. As president, he is responsible for the prosperity, well-being, and security of our country while representing freedom and democracy on the world stage. Philippians 2.3 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for President Joe Biden as he leads our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stearns. Stand by for news and commentary next. This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. In recent days, illegal aliens have ambushed Senator Kristen Sinema in a bathroom, her classroom, and now on board a jetliner. Video posted to Twitter shows a passenger filming herself giving the senator the what for. It happened at Reagan National. The passenger identified herself as an illegal. The Arizona Democrat is enemy number one among her own party, refusing to support a pathway to citizenship for illegals. She also refused to support President Biden's Build Back Better plan. What's even worse about all of this, the mainstream media's lack of coverage. Had those protesters been Republican, the cable newsers would have called it an insurrection. They would have smeared Trump supporters as domestic terrorists. Civility is not exactly a familiar word in American politics, never has been. But that's no excuse for what's been happening these days. So get it together, America. Your mama's raised you better. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, so here we are at Purcell Farms in Sylacauga, Alabama. This is just the most gorgeous place. We've been here uh, at the AFA retreat, and uh, so we have all these early risers so kind to come. They wanted to hear the show this morning. And by the way, make sure some of you want to listen on your app so you can actually hear what's happening on the show. So uh, just my suggestion. Well, uh, I, we talked earlier about the fact that Facebook is now, they have an alleged whistleblower. Yes, I am a skeptic. Uh, and so they had these hearings and Amy Klobuchar in the Senate uh, spoke up uh, and she had an opinion about what should happen with the social media. Let's listen. Last week, YouTube announced it was swiftly banning all anti-vaccine uh, misinformation. And I've long called on Facebook to take similar steps. We know the effect of this. We know that over half the people that haven't gotten the vaccines, it's because of something that they've seen on social media. Yeah, that's uh, it's terrible that social media is being used to get out information because it can only be controlled by government and Amy Klobuchar. It's just amazing. Well, uh, Senator Ron Johnson has been a champion uh, on so many things lately. 
and uh, we've had the privilege of speaking to him frequently, and I I am so grateful because he's so busy. I saw him on Fox uh, late last night, and now he's up with us this morning, and that's an honor. Uh, But he has been a real champion recently on COVID, well, disinformation, so much so that I think he got banned himself from social media. Senator Johnson, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Morning, Sandy. Hope you're well. I, I'm doing really well. We, I got, you know what, I wish you had, a, you could be here with us so you could be encouraged by people who love what you're doing and, uh, uh, you know, encourage you. But we, they're listening. So um, you were banned, right? Were you banned on Twitter or what, what were you banned from? I've had certain videos taken down. Probably the most famous one was uh, my December uh, 2020 hearing with uh, my second one on on uh, early treatment. The, the first one had Dr. McCulloch and Dr. Rich and George Freed, and the, the, the four of us were turned the snake oil salesman of the Senate of the New York <laughs> Times, and, and Dr. Ja wrote a column. Uh, by the way, a doctor who never left his uh, apartment during COVID never treated any patients. He was c- accusing the doctors that had the courage and compassion to treat people uh, snake oil salesmen. But uh, probably the most famous one was uh, Dr. Pierre Corey then in their second hearing. Uh, he was talking about uh, the effectiveness of ivermectin. And, uh, you know, basically the ranking member, Senator Peters, accused him of being a political hack. Well, Dr. Corey's a Democrat from New York, uh, now living in Wisconsin. And that upset him. And so he gave an impassioned 10-minute opening statement. It was viewed by over 8 million people before it was taken down from the Internet. So that's probably the most famous uh, example of, of censorship. But I've, I've had other bits and pieces censored. Um, I'm, I'm still able to use platforms, but you know, we try and use all the platforms because eventually uh, conservatives have to migrate away from the liberal tech giants and start uh, patronizing more conservative uh, social media outlets. Yes, absolutely. I'm with you on that. If we could, I mean, I've been trying several. If we could just figure out, you know, which are most effective, I think that's our task. But I agree with you. I want to also point out, I think it's Peter Curry, the doctor, who started FLCCC, Frontline Critical Care, COVID. And I, uh, I've, I use that all the time. I'm sharing that constantly. I think people's lives have been saved, Senator, by that information. I know they have. And, and, and so I'm, I'm just grateful because you, you're the one who gave him sort of air support and got the word out for him. So he saved a lot of lives that he doesn't even know about. So uh, you spoke in the uh, on the Senate floor, I think, in part because uh, you it is pro- hard to get the real information out. And I want to play just a little bit of it so people can hear what you said and also so you can springboard from that for just conver- uh, talking. So uh, Senator Johnson stood on the Senate floor and he had a charts behind him. And this is how he started. Let's listen. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical researcher. But I look at this and I'm going, well... It certainly doesn't look like the vaccine has been particularly affected, effective against the Delta variant. But let's look at some data, the type of data that we're not getting from our healthcare agencies. So we have to look, unfortunately, to England and to Israel that are more transparent. Now, I don't, rec- I don't expect anybody to be able to read the figures here. I'll give you, I'll give you the highlights, but I'm, I'm showing that this is from Public Health England. This is one of their, their federal healthcare agencies. This is from their technical briefing number 23, dated September 17, 2021. It covers cases for about seven and a half months, from the beginning of February to February 12th. What the data shows 
is that during that seven and a half month period in England, there were about 750,000 new COVID cases. About a little under 600,000 of those were the Delta variant, about 80%. The number of deaths associated with those 600,000 Delta cases was 2,542, which gives us a case fatality ratio of about 0.4. Now again, case fatality is higher than infection fatality because these are actually registered cases and there are all kinds of infections that never get registered. So to put this in context, an infection fatality rate for a bad flu season is slightly under 0.2, half of this. Just going to put things in perspective. Now, President Biden, and this has been parroted by media, news media, said that what we are currently experiencing is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. They don't give us really any data to back that up. They just proclaim, pronounce that 99% of people with COVID now are unvaccinated, but they don't give us the data. All right, so that's just the beginning of it. Uh, Senator Johnson, you go on to make some really, really important points, and I, I just wouldn't want you to do that again. Tell us what the bottom line of those charts and the, and the message you were trying to communicate was. Well, let's first acknowledge the fact that there's so much about COVID, the coronavirus, and the COVID vaccines that we simply don't know. We don't. As I said, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical researcher, but uh, it's also true that our healthcare agencies have not been transparent. They, they touted their early warning safety surveillance systems, and then they basically ignored them. We're, we're over 750,000 uh, adverse events, events reported on the VAERS system. We're, I'm sure, we're over 16,000 worldwide deaths. Uh, 52, over 5,200 of those deaths, by the way, on the VAERS system occur on day zero, one, or two. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was just pointing out in England, in, in that one technical briefing, number 23, talking about Delta cases, of the 2,542 deaths, 1,600, more than 1,600, were with the fully vaxxed population. That's about 63% of the deaths reported over the last seven, seven and a half months. Now, again, th there may be problems with the data. I mean, again, we just don't know because our health agencies aren't giving us, like, any information. They make these proclamations. They make these pronouncements. They say that the 99% of the people that are hospitalized with COVID are, are, are the unvaxxed. But then I hear anecdotes that are just completely different from that. But we just don't know. So right now I'm, I'm being politifact because I said that there's not an approved vaccine being administered. Well, again, I'm going off what the FDA did on August 23rd, and they approved the Comirnaty version of the vaccine and said there weren't sufficient quantities to administer in the U.S., so they're going to extend the emergency use authorization for the Pfizer vaccine that's in the U.S. Well, that's all the information we had. I wrote them a letter and go, what, what are you doing here? This is confusing. I mean, do we have a, a, vac a, a approved vaccine or not? Here it is, October, what is it, 5th or 6th? And this gentleman re replied to me. And so, you know, I made the statement that you know, we, we really don't have an approved vaccine being administered in the U.S. You know, now, maybe they brought some Cominati in here. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but again, I'm just, you know, why won't they give us information? And, you know, the well, question I would, you know, push back on the PolitiFact checkers, too, on the, on the way in terms of whether or not we have an approved vaccine. So, okay, well, maybe maybe they are administering Comirnaty. Of all the Pfizer doses being administered in the U.S., how many are Comirnaty that are approved? How many are the regular Pfizer's that are still in the emergency use? 
And what's the difference? What, you know, why didn't they approve the vaccines that were available and are being administered in the U.S.? What, what, what's pulling off here? They just won't tell us. And that's really my main point is they're not being transparent. They're not being forthright. We just don't have information we should have in making very difficult decisions. You know, whether to get vaccinated or not vaccinated, first, first of all, it's a, it's a personal decision. It's your personal freedom, your health autonomy. But you need to make an informed choice, and our government, government is not giving us the information so that we can make that informed and very difficult, in many cases, life-altering choice. You know, Senator, I, there's two things. You know, if this vaccine is not actually, the one we're being given is not actually FDA-approved, two things occur to me. I'm sure there are more than two, but our military is being forced to take it under the guise of the fact that the FDA has supposedly approved a vaccine. I got a letter from uh, lots of military, but one in particular comes to my mind, a young officer in a high position, five children, uh, telling me that he, can't, he will not take this vaccine, and he knows he's going to lose his uh, commission, he's going to lose his pension, everything. You know, Joe Biden's now talking about not giving an honorable discharge. Uh, and this guy is saying, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do this knowing what I know. And so, and he's gone, by the way, to his senator, uh, and he's gone to his congressman, and they've done nothing. So there's a lot at stake on whether this is actually an approved vaccine. And then one more thing I want to say, I have, uh, this is a longer story than I'm not going to take time with it right now, except I'm really upset about this. There's a young medical student that I happen to know very well at Liberty who is now being forced, he's going to be forced to be vaccinated at Liberty University. He was promised he wouldn't have to be. And I'm thinking if this is not an approved vaccine, there's liability there, isn't there? Well, that's the question. What is the status of, of, uh, of giving people access to the vaccine injury fund? Right now, I don't think anybody that may be vaccine injured by the COVID drugs has any liability protection. The vaccine manufacturers certainly are helping out. Even the people that participate in the trials, they're vaccine injured, like Maddie Daguerrean and uh, Abrie uh, Dressen, uh, people that, that I provided a form to tell their stories, and of course we were all attacked as, you know, providing misinformation. So, no, it, it, it just makes no sense. We are, we are going to harm military readiness. We already have a severe nursing shortage. And so you know, these, these nurses are heroes. They, they actually took care of patients, as did doctors, during COVID. Many of them contracted COVID. Some died tragically. Most survived. Now many of them are actually treating vaccine injuries. So they've already had COVID. They have natural immunity. I think science is telling us that that's as good, if not better, than vaccinated immunity. And now they're being forced to take an injection that they are certainly witnessing that, you know, again, a small percentage of people, but this is real. People are dying. People are being paralyzed. People are having severe adverse reactions. They have vaccine injuries that our health agencies are completely denying, as are all these organizations that are mandating this, this uh, vaccine. Again, wanna... you know, one thing I mentioned in the, the Public Health England, the, the, the Case fatality rate was 0.4. Again, that, that goes up and down. You know, deaths are laying in data, but let's say it's 0.4. If the vaccine is 90% effective, what that means is if you're unvaccinated, your case fatality rate would be 
a little under 0.8. So, again, it's not irrational for people to see the anecdotes of the vaccine injuries that look at the VAERS report and say, you know, I, I think I'll take my chances. I'll, I'll put my, you know, my fate in the hands of God was whether I, I get the infection. Because even if I get the infection, chances are I'll survive. I mean, the vast majority of people who get COVID, like me, survive. That's so right, and especially young people. Especially young people. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so now we're forcing college students, especially young men, where we know there's a, a, a significant uh, uh, whatever result or vaccine injury of myocarditis among young men. I just saw, you probably saw this, uh, Senator, there was a video of a young, uh, a, guy, a young kid from Tennessee who was on a golfing, uh, yeah, golf scholarship who just his heart had a terrible reaction to this vaccine. He does, a, he does it from his hospital bed. He said, I just, I just took this vaccine, and this is what's happened to me. And now they're forcing kids in college, even in Liberty University. Hear me, people listening. Listen to me. Liberty, if they're doing this to, young, to our students, then there is no hope. We've got to fight back on that, by the way, but I'll get back to that later. Uh, so um, I, you have... Uh, you also, have a, well, yeah, well, let, me, let me quickly interrupt. And now that we know that even the vaccinated can get infected and they can transmit, I, I read an email I got from a constituent on the floor of the Senate yesterday. Both parents were fully vaccinated in the spring. His sister was fully vaccinated. Mother caught it, gave it to the father. The daughter came to take care of him. She got it using PPE. The father tragically died. So these, these are three fully vaccinated individuals, two with Pfizer, one with Moderna. So we know people that have been vaccinated can get infected. They can transmit it. So now tell me, what is the purpose of, that, of the mandate? What, okay, if, if the vaccine, it looks like it reduces severity of symptoms and probability death, good. Well, there's a, there's a good reason for you to get vaccinated if you choose to do so. But there's no justification for the mandates. You're, who are you protecting? If you're already vaccinated, you, you're about, you've got about as good protection as you can get. But you're not, you're not preventing you from getting infection and potentially transmitting it. So if you have, actually have, have less severe symptoms, would you be more likely to transmit it because you're walking around as opposed to some of your severe symptoms staying home and not infecting anybody? Again, again we're just not given this information. We're not even allowed to ask the question or make these kind of points. Well, that's why we're doing it, and we're going to keep doing it, and that's why I'm so grateful to you. I really am. I'm so grateful to you, and I just want you to know that. I can't hardly say it enough. I, you just wrote an article in the Washington Times about what you're seeing, and one of the things that you talked about in that um, editorial is one of the Packers, the Green Bay Packers, which is, by the way, my husband's favorite team, uh, one of the Green Bay Packers players' wife has had an injury. Can you say anything about that from the vaccine? Yes. You know, again, because I've been an advocate for early treatment, and I've just been at the forefront of this. Ken Rutgers knew who I was, and he contacted me because his wife was suffering uh, neurological symptoms, numbness, of inner vibrations. By the way, some of these, some of these people have these inner vibrations. They're so severe, some of them have committed suicide. They just can't live with it. These are all being ignored. And so he contacted me and is really working with him. He was connected to about a 2,000-person group on Facebook of people with similar neurological symptoms. Um, and so I held an event. And, and we allowed five of them to 
Cowboy stories. One of them was you know, a little 12-year-old, now 13-year-old, Maddie DeGarry, who was partially paralyzed, can't eat. And she was part of the Pfizer trial for, for uh, young adult, or young adolescents. Uh, another one was redressing. She was part of the AstraZeneca. She was paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, she's recovered somewhat, not fully. Now, all I did is I allowed these people to tell their stories. And I thought one of the, the quotes I give of, of Ken Records, because we all hear that, you know, vaccine injuries are rare and mild. And he made the point, well, they're rare and mild until one happens to you. Until one of your loved ones dies on days zero, one, and two. Again, a, a third of the 16,000 deaths on there occur on days zero, one, or two, over 5,000 deaths. Now, I realize there doesn't prove causation, but that sure would set off alarms in my head. It does, and it should with the Fauci's of the world and the, and the Collinses, who's now retiring, and the Walensky's and the Woodcocks. I mean, all, all these heads of these agencies got to be paying attention to the early warning system, and they're not. They're blowing it off. When I raised the VAERS system with Francis Collins in April, when I think there were 3,000 deaths, about 46% occurring in days 0, 1, and 2, he acknowledged the six deaths of the Johnson Johnson with the young women in plotting, but otherwise, you know, hey, Senator, you know, people die. You know, he, I, he, he, has, it off. Uh, he has become a disgrace. Uh, there was a time, of course, when Francis Collins was uh, just on a pedestal, especially with Christians, because he was a Christian scientist. That's what he said he was. And he has just made a fool of himself, as far as I'm concerned. A very dangerous fool. Uh, he's the head of the NIH, but uh, that's another story for another time. I, I think um, I have to ask you, because I do, I do understand it, but I don't, why the silence? I, you know, Senator Paul in the Senate is speaking out. I think Senator uh, um, uh, Cruz has sp- spoken out. But what kind of response did you get? What kind of are you? Do you have the cooties to the people in that chamber? Are are they asking you questions? Is anybody care? Is anybody listening? That's a pretty good way of describing it. Uh, or or else they they look at all the attacks I've been under. You know, the mainstream media they look at me kind of as roadkill and just sort of avoid me. Um, let's face it. We we, we all hoped and prayed this vaccine would be 100% safe, 100% effective. We all want this, this pandemic to end. You know, so so we, we all voted for uh, you know, the CARES Act. Or I think we all did. You know, so so we, we funded this vaccine. You know, so many people have, have pushed it. I mean, they, they've recommended it. I've not done that. I've neither encouraged or discouraged. I've just been trying to force the government to be transparent, give people information so they can make an informed choice. But so, so many, and doctors as well. Sandy, you know, human tendency is never to admit you're wrong. And so the general societies have been, you know, believing in, in the Francis Collins and, and the Anthony Fauci of the world. So they, they don't want to be proven they're wrong. Doctors who've been recommending vaccines, they don't want to admit that a vaccine they recommended to one of their patients paralyzed or, person, or possibly killed that person. So nobody wants to admit they're wrong. So in terms of early treatment... Senator Johnson, uh, the the music is going to... Can you stay with me a few more minutes? I don't want to... I I just am enjoying the conversation. Can you stay with me? All right, then we're going to take a break, and we'll come back and pick up on all these other things we've not touched on. I'll let you also finish your sentence. Our our guest is Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, and let's let people know how much they appreciate you, Senator Johnson. We'll be back right after this. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. A picture is worth a thousand words. For President Biden, those come as false accusations against our Border Patrol agents, even threatening to make them pay. Pay for what? Faithfully doing their jobs to protect our border from illegal entry? Working hard to clean up a problem caused by President Biden? Come on, man. His accusations have been proven false, but the liberal media and elected Democrats keep spreading lies. Urge the president to apologize to the Border Patrol and to know the facts before speaking. Go to AFA.net. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. While speaking somehow at a megachurch in Brooklyn, New York Governor Kathy Hochul said, All of you, yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it. Silly me, I thought the Messiah was the one who ordained apostles and sent them out. Governor Hochul is an example of the adherence to the non-gospel of vaccination. These folks should be collectively identified as branch COVIDian. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Does the changing of the seasons have you thinking about the future? If you're feeling like you can't contribute as you have in the past, maybe we can offer some help. There are many ways to make an end-of-the-year charitable gift. A cash donation comes with the advantage of a tax deduction. Transferring appreciated stock can allow you to avoid capital gains taxes. You could leave a gift through a will or trust by naming AFA as a beneficiary. And a charitable gift annuity provides a deduction for today as well as guaranteed income for life. Let us show you how to maximize your year-end giving for yourself and for AFA. Visit afafoundation.net or call 800-326-4543, extension 345. If the economy has you worried about what the future may bring, giving through the AFA Foundation could help. Again, that's afafoundation.net or call 800-326-4543, extension 345. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Whether we choose to acknowledge it or not, we are in the most dangerous national security threat environment in a generation. The Chinese Communist Party has been waging unrestricted but so far non-kinetic warfare against us for over two decades. Unless China's escalating aggressiveness, especially towards Taiwan, is promptly and effectively deterred, an actual war may break out at any time. It is therefore deeply unsettling that Biden climate czar John Kerry recently revealed the president was, quote, literally not aware, unquote, of what we are encouraged to believe is our most important strategic counter to date to China's belligerence, namely U.S. and British collaboration to provide Australia with nuclear-powered attack submarines. Last May, an estimable group of retired flag officers for America were roundly denounced for stating the obvious, quote, the mental and physical condition of the commander-in-chief cannot be ignored, unquote. Amen. This is Frank Effney. 
Andy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, so here we are live at Purcell Farms in Sylacauga, Alabama with a, a, a early morning crowd. This is really actually so much fun. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do was when I used to co-host Crossfire at George Washington University in the auditorium live. We had the big screen behind us and I would do it with Paul. I was the conservative against Paul Begala. That was a lot of fun because I just love live audience. A lot more fun than being in a studio by myself, so thank you. Our special guest this morning is Senator Ron Johnson. Special, special, special guest. Senator Ron Johnson. And uh, before we uh, go back to our conversation, uh, uh, James O'Keefe, who was a hero also. James O'Keefe has gone undercover, and this time with a Pfizer scientist. And I want you to hear at least a bit of their interaction. Here it is. Hey, Nick. Is this seat taken? Uh, yes. You work for Pfizer, don't you? Ooh, you're no, on. I'm not doing this. You're absolutely. a scientist at Pfizer. Dude, do not. You, absolutely not. What are you doing right now? So you're on camera saying that the antibodies, if you've had COVID, are better at that point than your vaccination. So your antibodies are probably better at that point than the vaccination. I like to see any of this. Are you f***ing kidding me right now? I'm not kidding you. You are on camera explaining. Why do you have anything about me? Well, here's a video of you talking. When somebody is naturally um, immune, like they got COVID, um, they probably have better, like not better, but more antibodies against the virus. You're the Pfizer. Sir, would you just tell the public what you've said privately? You're welcome to drive away if you'd like, but I'm standing in a public parking lot here. This is the most important public health issue of a generation. This is an incredibly important issue. You're a scientist for Pfizer. For Pfizer. How do you how do you sleep at night? And that's Nick Carl for Pfizer. We just want him to be public with the people about what he said privately. The question is, why does he want to keep this secret from the American people? I specifically have like Oh, God, I, I signed NDAs against this. All right, so what he's saying is Nick Curl, the scientist from Pfizer, who James has caught on tape saying that natural immunity is better than the vaccine, and Nick finally admits at the end there he signed a non-disclosure agreement that he would not say that publicly. All right, so that's the situation. Uh, Senator Johnson, oh, your thoughts about that exchange? Well, it, it does tie into what I was saying before the break about how just the natural tendency, people not wanting to admit they're wrong, but particularly when it comes to things like early treatment and some of these pronouncements that have such a major impact on people's lives. If, if for example, the, the health agencies, if they would ever have to admit that, boy, I guess we should have been using some of these early treatment drugs like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and, and zinc, and vitamin D, and you know, if we would have actually treated had a recommendation to treat COVID as opposed to you know, just go home until you're so sick, and then we'll try and take care of you in the hospital, and we'll, we'll throw a $3,000 shot of uh, remdesivir in your arm. Uh, if, if they were ever to admit they were wrong, look at the consequences. Look what they'd have to own up to. I mean, how many lives could have been saved? So not only will they never admit they were wrong, they have the power, because this isn't just the federal health agencies. This is also the media and the social media. They have the power to pretty well assure that they will never be proven wrong. 
And so what we're seeing right now is that now they're starting to tout Merck has come out with a early treatment drug, molnupiravir. Um, the doctor's groups I'm dealing with call it money peer But But go back. Why did they ignore early treatment? Was it because remdesivir is over $3,000 per treatment versus literally hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are, are pennies a pill? Is it because if you have an effective early treatment, you can't get an emergency use authorization on these experimental, uh, quote-unquote, vaccines? What, what, what is going on here? We really don't know. And, and again, why, why are they willing not? Why are they not willing to admit that natural immunity is as, if not more, effective than vaccine immunity? And they'll say it makes so much sense. Natural immunity recognizes the entire virus, so if it mutates a little bit, it's still recognized. But why were forty to fifty percent of us asymptomatic? Was it because we had a, an earlier coronavirus that our bodies recognized this one close enough that we never got? Again, they don't even, they never even address that. But what is going on? We've, we, there's so much information that we should have, that we should have developed, that we should be researching, that we're simply not. And, and again, when, when so many things don't make sense, people start getting suspicious and they stop trusting the authorities. And, you know, of, of any federal health, any federal authority that would be nice to have complete faith in, it would be nice to have faith in the CDC and the FDA and the NIH, but I no longer have it. And I I think a a large number of the American public don't either because they've been inconsistent, they have not been transparent, they have not been forthright, and that's a tragedy. It is. And, you know, I think a lot of the medical community uh, has been so uh, oriented toward trusting CDC and FDA that they are just, their whole foundation of trust in what they've learned, they're not willing to recognize or admit that these organizations now have become as corrupt as the Justice Department, as corrupt as the FBI. They are corrupt and not trustworthy. You know, I on that immunity thing, I just saw, perhaps you did also, a very young doctor uh, in Yorkville, Illinois, which is kind of my, our turf is near Chicago, and he had a, a patient who he helped save his life. He had, he had uh, ty- type 1 diabetes. And he was very heavy, and he, just, he was just so sick. And he, under this doctor's guidance, lost a ton of weight and became healthy, started running marathons and all of this. And now something has caused him to, to be forced to take the vaccination. He didn't explain the details. but So in trying to negotiate this, the guy doesn't want to take it, but he has to, I guess, probably to keep his job. Uh, the doctor said, well, can we do this? Can I take blood work of you before you take the vaccine or the shot, shall we say? Uh, and, and after you take the second one, can we at least do that? And the, the man agreed and he said, well, at least maybe something redemptive. You can learn something from this. So long story short, the doctor shows the blood work before. And I don't understand blood work. I'm not a doctor. Uh, but I do understand this. He showed how it had cha- it changed radically after the first shot, and it changed even more radically after the second one. Bottom line is the, all those little uh, indicators when you get your blood work are uh, different parts of the immune system, and they fight different things. And especially the one that fights cancer was just like, I'm get, these are my unscientific words, like canceled, so that he knows now this patient has, no, has very little, if any, immunity to anything other than that original COVID. I know this is not new news to you, uh, Senator Johnson, but 
it's just one more piece of evidence. Well, there, there's, there's anecdotal evidence of, of, of cancers on the uptake. But, but the corruption of these agencies, the hospital associations, doctors, they're covered by the, by the CDC. So as long as they follow the CDC guidelines, they have less chance of being sued. And so those that are willing to step outside of, of that umbrella are putting themselves at risk. They're at risk of losing their medical license, their, their pharmacy license. They're, you know, right. it's, it's, it's all a corrupt system now. That, that is what I've seen. It's very, it's very tragic. We have fewer and fewer doctors willing to practice medicine. They're just practicing CDC protocols, which makes sense in so many cases, but not during a pandemic when there's so much we don't know and we need doctors to practice medicine and push the envelope and try different things to save lives rather than sit back and just, just wait till it's too late. Now, Senator, we're going to run out of time here, but I'm just wondering... What can, what can we do? I know we're doing everything we can just trying to get the word out, but is there anything beyond that? Do you see any, like, uh, any s- sign of hope that we could gather uh, honest medical personnel together and fight back? There's only 30 seconds left. If you could just respond and tell us what we might do. There is a growing group of doctors that are, that are pushing back on this, and we just need everybody to get informed and be evangelists of the truth. You know, in, in your own little sphere, tell the truth. That's The truth has to prevail. It has to prevail. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm counting on, too. I, I'm counting on that. I think truth is very strong. And sometimes you lose in the short term, but you never lose in the long term. Truth always wins. I think of the Soviet Union, 60 years of lies, and they finally fell apart. And so we're just going to keep spend, uh, speaking the truth. And it's going to cost us all something. It's certainly costing Senator Johnson a lot. And uh, we thank you. God bless you, Senator Johnson, and keep you and keep you safe. And we just thank you so much. And so here, we're going to say thank you and goodbye and hope to talk to you real soon. All right. Thanks for listening. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.